turn to one scripture that I'll open with, and I'll also use it towards the end, and that's in Isaiah 46. So you can start turning in your smart uh, Bibles, smart devices to Isaiah 46, um, uh, if, if you've got that, or you're, uh, you're leather-bound if you've got that. And uh, I'm excited to get into week three of a series we've been calling False Gods. False Gods is all about the idea that when we serve any God besides the one true God, it is laced with empty promises, despair, and letdowns. And if you haven't experienced it yet, it's coming. And um, because there's only one promise of that. And I've opened the last two weeks reading from the first uh, two of the Ten Commandments from Exodus about false gods. So I decided to uh, mix it up a little bit and open with a scripture that also talks about the demise of serving false gods. And it goes like this from Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah said, uh, the prophet said, Bel and Nebo, that is the gods of Babylon, um, Bel and Nebo bow as they are lowered to the ground. They are hauled away on ox carts. The poor beasts stagger under the weight. I've been talking about the weight that we put on other people or on other things when we create a God out of them. You know, alcohol cannot, it was not, uh, it is not created to bear the weight of all of life's concerns. Your spouse or your kids cannot bear the weight. It will crush them if they become number one in your life and there will be eventual demise, right? So any false God, notice the poor beast stagger under the weight. Both the idols and their owners are now bowed down. The gods cannot protect the people, and the people can't even protect the gods. They go off into captivity together. And then it skips forward, and God says, who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold, and they hire a craftsman to make a god from it. And then they bow down and they worship it. They carry it around, and when they set it down, it stays there. It doesn't even move. It doesn't speak back. And when someone prays to it, there's no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. This is the result of anything or anyone becoming number one in our lives ahead of God. It is not going to fill the role or the weight or the responsibility that God and God alone was designed to carry in your life. Jesus is the one who said, throw all your heavy burdens on me, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So two weeks ago, I opened up this series on false gods, and I asked one big question that I'm going to hit up again today, and that was this, the lordship question. Who or what uh, rules my behaviors? The Lord or some other substitute? Who or what rules my behaviors? And last week, I got into starting to break down a few uh, or, or one of, um, uh, I believe, is one of American idols, right? One of the ones that commonly gets us in America, and that is when we make my relationship my God. Now, I want to remind you, I wasn't intending to pick on anybody, but I heard such amazing feedback from so many people that this is just such a real 
temptation for us in the day we live in. I, I have fallen prey to it too. You have probably fallen prey to it. Um, because, can I remind you that in Exodus, God said, if you will obey my commandments, you're going to live the blessed life. In other words, the enemy can't touch you. And so the enemy is constantly trying to get you to substitute God. Because now all bets are off. And I am no longer under the umbrella of covering. It started pouring yesterday. As long as I was under the umbrella, I stayed nice and dry. I felt pretty good about things. The moment I removed myself from the covering, now all of a sudden I'm getting rained upon. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. If he could just get us to sneak something else in. And so we talked about my relationship being my God. And I pointed out Leah was a woman who needed the love of her husband so desperately. So much more than she needed the love of God. Because she pleaded with it. Because her husband loved another woman. A.K.A. her sister. Her better looking sister is what it says. And so Rachel had all the love. And Leah was like... I need his love, and, and she, she had a kid first, and she named him in, um, in honor of her husband. She's like, surely my husband will love me now, and then she had a second, and she's like, surely he'll love me now. The third, she was like, I'm the one who's born him three kids, and Rachel's born him none. Surely this will seal the deal, and finally on her fourth son, she realized, you know what? I shall name him Judah, which means, um, uh, Judah, which means I will exalt, um, um, this time I will praise the Lord alone. If he loves me, he loves me. But I got the love of my father, and that's what I'm seeking and enough. And, th and that is a common American idol for us. I want to get into one more. And uh, uh, I'm, my prayer is that you would open up your hearts and let God speak to you through this. Um, it's a false God that Satan tries to get us to worship, um, uh, and it comes from within. And so today's message is entitled, my image is my God. Let's pray. God, I um, know that your word brings life, and every single word was meant to steer us, correct us, point us on the pathway of peace, walk in the light as you are in the light. And so, Father, today I ask that your word would, would let your Holy Spirit just move upon our hearts. It might step on our toes at times, but I pray that we open up our hearts to see that you are offering us hope, and an ability to change and repent instead of offering a, a demise or overwhelming spirit. Let your spirit bring life today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Anyone who agrees with that can say amen. amen. Ever since the beginning of mankind, mankind has been in the pursuit of bettering our own image. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, we know that Adam and Eve are walking with God. They're in harmony with God. All things are good. All things are bliss. It's heaven on earth until the serpent shows up and plays to the weakness of man and woman. And he says, the serpent replied to the woman, you think you're going to die if you eat that fruit? You won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as you eat it. And honestly, you will be like God. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And it says that the woman was convinced. I can be like God? I think man and woman have been suffering from the same weakness for all time. I can be like God? I can exalt to his stature? I can know what he knows? I can be all-knowing? I can be more special than I feel that I am today? 
Adam and Eve fell at, at, at the thought of becoming like God. And do you know that Satan himself fell at the thought of being like God? Two times in the Old Testament, we get a picture of what happened to Satan when he was thrown out of heaven. And do you know that Satan, his name was Lucifer at the time. He was an archangel at the time. He was God's worship leader at the time. And he went on a rant of five I will statements. And he said this, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. In other words, <laughs> I'm going to be like God or bigger. It's my time to shine. It is all about me, and it's all about me, myself, and I. And if Adam and Eve could fall at the thought of becoming like God, and if Lucifer could fall at the thought of becoming like God, then we too, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, are in danger of falling at the thought of becoming like God. It can happen to any one of us. Just a few chapters later in Genesis 11, it says that the people of God started getting together and they said, you know what? They said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves. They have moved from lifting up God and living for God to let's build monuments to ourselves with a tower that reaches into the skies. As high as heaven, we'll be able to have the same viewpoint God has. This will make us famous. I'm so glad that it's recorded in scriptures what we often so much really we resonate with as well. The idea that if I do this, if I post that, if I say this, if I run like this, if I do that, I too can lift up my own stature. I too can be viewed as important. Almost amongst the gods. There's a desire in all of us to build our own empires as high as we can possibly get them. And, and, and have, for those of you who like social media, there's a very few people who will say, oh, I think social media is no good. Most people are on it. In fact, more than 6.4 billion people today are on some form of social media. That's a lot of people, okay? And for those who are on social media, here's a statement I have never heard someone say. My goal is to have about 10 people following me. I want to lock in 10. It would be great if I could stop there. In fact, I'm not going to accept any more friends beyond 10. Like, that is not what... People typically say on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or whatever, we're always building our follower base, are we not? We're always constructing as many likes as we can possibly get, as many shares as we can get because it feeds something in us. We're always taking 15 pictures to get one that shows our best light. Come on, if I could just post the right picture, it would be awesome. We're always finding time to spend on our makeup and, and, and to spend time on our workouts. And yet, we claim we don't have any time to spend with God. I don't have time to read His Word. I haven't prayed in a very long time. Whose kingdom are we building? This is way too real for many of us. To go back to the Lordship question, who or what rules my behavior? The Lord or the image I'm building? Because 
I'll make decisions and do things, whether, whether it's our social status, our appearance, or the hobbies that we love, if we're not careful, we'll spend way more time, money, and passion on them than we do with him. In fact, let's write this down. We are trading the God who died to free us for a false God who will only enslave us. Let me say that again. We are trading the God who died to free us for a false God who will only enslave us. Lest you realize that it will enslave you more, it has empty promises, it will lead to your demise, it will not fulfill the hope that you thought you could put in it. Lest you think that, I'll go a little bit further in case you still don't believe me. More than a half of American teenagers, okay, teenagers today who have grown up not knowing life without one of these. They don't have a clue what life looks like before one of these. I remember the flip phone. I remember the wireless phone. Y'all remember that wireless thing back in the, in the house? Come on. That big old honking thing. It's like going, hello, hey, girl. <laughs> it was about that big. Y'all remember them days where it was still wired and you got that extra long wire that always got all bundled up, but you had to kind of, you had to go, Mom, I'll take this one in my room, and then you sneak into another room, and you got that wire all the way through the house. Hey, girl, what's up? Come on. Our teenagers who have never known life without this, that's not their fault, right? They have said, more than half of American teens say that they admit I spend way too much on my time on my smartphone. In fact, 57% have said, I tried to cut back using social media, and I could not. That's more than half realizing I spent a lot of time building my profile. We live in a selfie generation where we take pictures of ourselves more often. And I want to be very clear as I progress into this message that most of what I am saying is not a bad thing. I'm not trying to vilify social media. I'm not trying to vilify taking pictures of yourself. I'm not trying to vilify being as attractive as you can. But if they rise to the point where I spend way more time, attention, and energy on me, myself, and I, than I do on God, we have to be aware I might be building the kingdom of myself instead of the kingdom of God. They have said, teenagers have admitted, I want to get off this thing and I can't. That sounds like slavery. Sounds like bondage. You know what it's like to move. We have moved from the we generation to the me generation. Let me take me a picture. Come on. You're like, can we have a conversation at the dinner table? I'm sorry, I'm having trouble staying off my phone because I'm, what I'm not saying is this, I'm building my own empire. I'm building my own profile. I'm working the game and I can't turn it off. I'm losing sleep over and I can't turn it off. 44% of all phone users, I'm going to step on toes right now, 44% of all phone owners Say they don't disconnect at church services. Work in your profile right now. Come on. That is the epitome of whose kingdom am I about right now? Because, oh, wow, that's going to be a good post. I like that. I only got 12. Come. I remember as phones came into being, we was like, take notes on them. Quit switching over to social networks. God's more important. But we will miss things. Because we're too busy building self. 
our own kingdoms. 44% of phone owners also said that they don't disconnect when working out. I was in Birmingham this past week learning from a pastor, and um, I went to go get a sneak of workout in in the hotel lobby, and I went to pick up the weights, and as I did, I, I noticed that these three guys who had been there for a while, they were crushing it, man. They were sweating. They must have been doing their own workout. They were getting it. They even turned their own music on. I'm like, go ahead, bro. You go ahead and get it, all right? I'm walking in on the end of your workout. So I go to get my dumbbells, get a few curls in there. Come on, this just doesn't happen. By chance, guys. Okay, anyway. Um, try, try to get a few in. And I look over at the phone playing music. And I noticed he is videoing and live streaming his entire workout. <laughs> like, bro, just get your workout in and move on, my friend. We are in a hotel small workout gym. Who do we think we are? Everyone's going, I'm losing sleep because Jim's not uh, live streaming his workout today. <laughs> Listen, many of us are enslaved with working on our own image. And so the question is, who's the real God? See, the problem is we were born, and many of us still struggle with this, of a selfish nature where we believe this is me. And God's going to have to revolve himself around me. All the world revolves around me. We must get to the point where we realize God is the fixed one. And all of my life is meant to revolve around him. In fact, it is not one of these um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday I'll revolve way out here where he can't see as much and come back Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. No, 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 no. We were designed to revolve around him. If anything takes the place of the center, it is no longer God. Uh, uh, only God sits in the center. And so if anything else replaces that, it has become our God. All right, so how do we bridle this idol? Because many of us have suffered from this. Again, I'm not saying any of these things can't be number two in our life. Maybe it needs to be number three, maybe number four, but never Take the place of number one. How do I bridle this idol? How do I keep it out of the place of number one? I'm going to use the same three points that I shared last week. Number one, find your why. Write it down again. Find your why. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourself to see whether you are still in the faith or not. Go ahead, test yourself. When's the last time... You stopped long enough to test yourself. Why am I about to post this? Why am I about to publicize this? Why am I about to dominate this conversation to rearrange it to be around me again? Why am I about to take over? Why do I need the attention and the affections of others? Why do I need popularity so much? Why do I focus so much on my image? Maybe, maybe if you do, there's some really big and real wounds there. Maybe somebody slighted you, spoke death over you. Maybe someone hurt you, broke promises to you. And you know what? Those are some very real wounds that God wants to heal you of and bring freedom of. 
Because sometimes everything revolves around me because I'm on this end where I'm dealing with pride and I think I'm pretty special and I'd like somebody to notice. If you didn't notice, check out what I just posted, check out what I just did, check out who I am, what I did. Come on, we can either get prideful based on titles, statures, social statuses. Have you checked yet? I got 10,000 people following me. And as if everyone's supposed to go, oh, I didn't know. Let me rearrange everything in our relationship around this, right? Or we get on the self-defeating side of it, where everything's still revolving around me because I don't measure up. I don't even belong here. I don't know why I'm here. Uh, They're all going to make fun of me. They're all going to laugh at me. They're all going to expose me, both of which are way too focused on me, myself, and I. I'm paying attention to my image instead of the image I was made in. And that is God. Come on. Come on. I'm preaching now. I hope you're ready for this because I'm about to get stirred up a little bit. Why do I need it so much? You know, um, um, back in 1994, the movie of all movies was released. It was a football movie about the Irish Notre Dame, about a man player named Rudy. Let me hear. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Come on. Where are my men up in here? Represent Rudy. It's the most inarticulate grunt you'll ever hear. <laughs> and one of the things they did that I loved from that movie, some of y'all need to go back and watch it. Okay. So, uh, some of the things they did is whenever they'd leave the locker room, they'd always go and touch a sign. The sign said, play like a champion today. It was a reminder to every player, before you take this field, remember who you represent, remember how you should live, and do it right. In fact, um, uh, Coach Lou Holtz talks about when he found that sign and he put it up. Watch this. Well, it's amazing how that came about. I was named head football coach in Notre Dame 1986 and went to the library and got all the books on the history of Notre Dame, wanted to know everything about it. And I noticed a picture in there of the entranceway to the stadium, and it had play like a champion today. And I said, what happened to that sign? Nobody had ever heard of it. I don't know who had it up, but it was definitely up there. I said, we're going to get that sign made up again. We're going to put the same place it was in that book, and we're going to hit that before we go out on the field, represent Notre Dame. And when the players go out, I would tell them, when you hit that sign, I want you to remember all the sacrifices you have made, all the effort you have put forth, all the effort that the people and players that came here before you in building this great tradition have put forth, and the importance of you upholding that tradition. And touching the sign is is a definite embracing the tradition. There's no question. You feel that. You sense that others have done this before. I think just just that kind of measure. Um, is definitely something that you remember as being tradition. Come on, let me borrow a few of those lines from there. Maybe we too should adopt something like that, that before we leave our houses, before we leave our places and go out, what we represent, we remember we represent something bigger than just ourselves. We represent Team Jesus. And I need to go out there and play like a champion today. I represent the saints who have gone before me. I represent all the heritage that's gone before me. I'm connected to something bigger than myself. And when I go out there, I'm going to represent something bigger than myself somebody help me preach I think that's what Deuteronomy eleven eighteen means when it says commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine write them 
on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Slap them scriptures on the way out of your house so that you and your children may flourish. You want to flourish? You better start serving somebody other than yourself. You're going to have to serve God most high. His heritage has been around. People have gone before us. They've lived the life, and we are going to high-five that thing on the way out of our house. Maybe you need a scripture hanging out the exit of your door that looks like 1 Corinthians 6.20. God bought you at a high price. So honor God with your body. Put that up where your kids can slap that sign and that scripture before they head out to school. For you were bought with a high price. So honor God with your body and your decisions today. Maybe you need Galatians 2.20 as a doorpost uh, sign on the doorpost of your house that you slap out on the way out that says, I, I am reminding myself I have been crucified with Christ now, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, so go out there and play like a champion today. I represent the gold today. I represent Jesus Christ. Come on. Somebody give me an amen. amen. I'm, I'm more excited than you know. All right. We got to find our why. Why am I acting this way? I need to reorient it to him. And maybe it's as simple as putting a scripture above the doorframe of your house. And then number two, set boundaries. That, you got to set boundaries. Boundaries put false gods in their place. They say you can go this high and no further. You can scale up to number two in my life, but there's a boundary to make sure you never cross the threshold of number one in my life because number one is reserved for God. Here's one of the things that I'll ask about boundaries. Can God still tell you no? You will know. If God has reserved boundaries, if you've reserved boundaries for God, if he can still change your plans, can he still speak up with what I watch, what I listen to, how I dress, the amount of time I spend playing, how far I take it or how much I work out? Can God still change my plans? Or is it, you know what, God? You know I need my workout. You know what, God? You know I need to spend time on my makeup, right? Neither one's wrong. They just can't scale to the place of number one in my life. That if God says, I got a use for them today, let's take an audible for today. Let's have a change of plan today. Let's modify it today. Let's invite someone today. You know I don't like working out with somebody different, right? <laughs> you, you, you know I don't like posting things like that, whatever. Come on, can, 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 can God still tell me no? So what kinds of boundaries are you suggesting, Pastor Drew? Here's three that I suggest I live out. I suggest them for you. I think they scripturally are sound. Maybe you want to adopt them too. Here's one. Give all glory to God. One of my boundaries is I'm going to give all glory to God. I was reading in the book of Acts. This is the first move of God's people right after Jesus was crucified. In Acts chapter 12, King Herod Agrippa gives a wonderful speech. And everybody says, man, it's like hearing from the gods. And King Herod Agrippa cherished those words in his heart. I am a stinking God. I do sound like a God. I am a pretty special individual. And the Bible says that he was stricken immediately with a stomach bug and he died. 
two chapters later, Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas roll up into a new town. Of, uh, 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 he, they roll into this new town, and they begin to give a speech. They touch somebody, and all the people go, these two are like gods. They're like Zeus and Hermes. And when Paul and Barnabas found out, they did something different than Herod Agrippa. They said, no, we are merely ordinary men. All glory and honor goes to God above. For this type of touch is available to you as well. I am merely ordinary. One took all the glory. One gave all the glory to God. Come on. Who gets glory in your life publicly? Glory to God. Glory to God. I give them glory to God. Now, it's, that's the easier question. For some, you need to work on that. But that's the easier question for some of us. I give glory to God all the time. How about who gets glory privately in your heart? Because it's really easy to go PTL. <laughs> you remember that thing you were praying for, PTL? My heart doesn't think PTL. My heart thinks, I moved that needle. I'm a pretty special person. <laughs> this, is, this is about me, myself, and I, right? Great, great gold today. Praise the Lord. Privately, I'm like, heck yeah, that was a good goal. <laughs> I got more where that came from, right? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I just want to say, praise God he created me to do something like this. Praise God he gave me the ability. Praise God he allowed me to bring home the bacon. Praise God. Give all glory to God. That's one of my boundaries. Here's another boundary. Prioritize church again. Prioritize church again. If you go into Walmart, large parties, ball games and ball fields, you can come to church again. Listen, if if it's because you're sick, please stay home. I, I, we have live stream on, and it is for you, and we want to serve you, and we want to lift you. If it's for a vacation or you're at the ball field, please tap into our live stream. We are honored that you are here with us. But if it's just that you've written a new habit in your life, maybe I need to prioritize church again because I'm better when I'm encouraged by the body of believers. My worship gets louder. My honor gets greater. My reverence gets better when I do it along with other people who believe it. Come on, Matthew 6 said this. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 10, 25 says, Some people have given up the habit, say habit, of meeting for worship. But we must not do that. We should keep encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Guys, I don't know how soon Jesus is coming back, but it's closer than it was. It could happen in this year. It could happen in my lifetime. It may not happen in my lifetime. I'm not a prophet trying to tell you when it's coming. All I know is the Bible tells us Jesus is coming back, and it's closer than it was. If that is true, then we might want to prioritize building his kingdom. Spending time listening to his kingdom, worshiping his kingdom, getting in touch with people who also worship his kingdom because iron sharpens iron. Come on. The word habit means, I looked it up, a regular tendency. It's easy to go, yeah, that is my habit. Is it a regular weekly tendency? And if it's no longer regular, it says a regular tendency, especially one that is hard to give up. It's so easy to go, oh, something better came up. No problem. I'll do that. Listen, I'm speaking out of experience. For years of my life, I wanted to worship God. I wanted to get closer to God. I, just, I went to great, amazing churches, and I just didn't because I didn't connect. I didn't plug in. 
I didn't get to know people. I didn't serve. I went for the kingdom of bettering myself instead of going to connect to the kingdom of God. This is why we encourage you to join our dream team. Could we use your help? Yes, but we don't need your help. Maybe you need the community of a dream team. And so you can sign up for Next Steps. We run it every single month, every first, second, and third, because it's a place to belong. In fact, for, would you do me a favor? What happened for me is I didn't connect, but then in 2002, I went to a church called Household of Faith. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And then they said, would you connect in my small group? And I said, yes. I've never done that before. And then they said, would you serve on our media team? And I said, yes. And then they said, would you lead our media team? Would you play in our bands? I said, yes. I said, yes. I said, yes. And because of that, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And because of that, do you know, had I not said yes, then I probably would have done what I did to every other church I went to, and I would have been in, and I would have ducked out. I wouldn't have met you because we met at Household of Faith. So could you all do me a favor? I'm going to ask you if you would stand. Next week, um, the church, Household of Faith, that I got saved in. Come on, stand up with me. And they, they said they turned 50 years old next Sunday. Come on. And my pastor, my pastor called me up and said, would you come down on behalf of Lift Church and speak what you have so what we have what God has done through you in our church and tell a little bit about the glory of God in Lift Church. I said, I want to do one better. Come on. Right now I want to record a quick video that we're gonna show household of faith next week. And I just want you to say with me, um, uh, I want you to say this with me. With, uh, there is no us without you. Come on, let's practice. There is no us without you. Okay, we're going to record this. Y'all ready? Change them lights up. Come on, we're going live with this, right? We good? Get, make sure you can see yourself. All right, here we go. Ready? <laughs> Three, two, one. There is no us without you. Come on, baby. Let's give it up. Woo! Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you. Come on, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show them that video, and I believe it's going to bless them. Because you know what? Sometimes we can institutionally become about ourselves. Building the image of ourselves. It ain't just about left church. We're part of a kingdom, baby. This is global. This is everywhere. This is going on. Come on. And here's one more boundary. Don't, don't overindulge on yourself. This is another boundary we give. Don't overindulge on yourself. So many people want to give to the kingdom of God. I just spent too much on the kingdom of myself that I have no margin to give to the kingdom of God. And so I unintentionally build my own kingdom. You can build your kingdom or you can build God's kingdom. Matthew 6 says, don't store up treasures here on earth. In other words, shiny stuff. Where moss eat and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where no moth or rust can destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. You will be rewarded for those things when you get to heaven. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. If you say, you know what, I have trouble with my eye being so allured to the shiny things, then maybe what I do is I give more attention and glory to God with my generosity. Because wherever my money is, there my heart is. So I'm going to give more to the house of God. I'm going to give more to building the kingdom of God. Because I have gotten off track of building myself here. And building my wardrobe here. And building my social statue here. Guys, we're so called to live for something more than ourselves. 
Come on, I believe Lift Church is one of the best places to give. Why? Do you know in the last two weeks of this series, 14 people made a decision in Salisbury to give their life to Jesus Christ. And you know what? We want to build a building soon to have more opportunities to connect with God and to serve our city. You know what? We want to launch campuses up and down the eastern shore because I'm tired of my family and friends who live on the eastern shore not seeing the goodness of God. I want a life-giving church all up and down the eastern shore where we know if we send them, they're going to have an opportunity to receive Jesus in their heart. Come on. I want to serve our city's needs more and more. I talked to the mayor. There's three things that plagues our city. Homelessness, opioids, and the lack of things to do for youth. Well, guess what? I want to serve our city more. I want to get involved in those things and bring the hope of humanity that is the church to this. Come on, I want to raise up next generation of church leaders in our college who are going to be able to plant those campuses and serve the cities that they're at because we need more people carrying the freeing salvation message of Jesus Christ. And I'm pumped that we are going to start a hope center in Nicaragua that I'm going to tell you more about at the end of this year. We got vision, guys. So when you give, when you give, it's, bo- it's going to build the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Wh- whether you give here or not, no matter where you spend, here's the big question. Is what you're giving to going to show up in heaven? Is what you are spending on? Or giving towards going to show up in heaven. Sometimes we spend just to make ourselves feel comfortable. I'd rather give to make hell uncomfortable. <laughs> Come on. That's a good line. You can get on your social media and tweet that. Well, okay. <laughs> Let me finish with this. Reorient your hope. Number one, find your why. Number two, set boundaries. Number three, reorient your hope. Let's go back to Isaiah 46, and I want to read it a little bit slower. This is the the scripture I opened with, and we close. Bel and Nebo, that are the gods of Babylon, they bow as they are lowered to the ground. Some of our counterfeit gods need to just be lowered a little bit. You've sat in the number one seat too long. We're going to move you down to four. We're going to reprioritize certain things in my life. He says... They are being hauled away on ox carts. Some need to be lowered down a little. Some need to just be stinking hauled away out of my life. I don't need this addiction anymore. I don't need this dependence anymore. I don't need this relationship anymore. Goodbye, girl. Goodbye, my man. I don't need to roll with you anymore because you're not helping me any. Some things need to be lowered in estimation. Some things need to be hauled away. The poor beasts stagger under the weight. The gods cannot protect the people. The people cannot protect the gods. You weren't created to lift up your God in such a way that you've got to hold him up. <laughs> Crutch him up. They go off into captivity together. But listen to me. I, God, have cared for you since you were born. If you're going to let go of those false counterfeit gods, trust me. For I have carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime. In other words, I have had my people for a long time. I've been doing a great job with it. I got you, girl. I got you, my man. You can trust me. As you lower 
the need for this position, this title, this income level, this, this, this relationship, this social status, this, this empire you're building, as you lower it or straight up haul it off, I got you. I've been saving my people for a long time. I'm kind of in the business of it. That's what God is saying. So why not try me? Because I've proven myself. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Father, as we pray today, let your Holy Spirit move. And the places that we need to lower in our own estimation, help us to make an actionable plan to actually do that. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but also be doers of the word. And then, Father, for those of us who straight up need to haul off something, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a dependence, maybe it's an addiction. Father, I pray that the counterfeit God would be exposed as empty as it is. Help us to see it as empty. And then that we would reorient our hope in you and you alone. You got us. You sent your son to die for us. So we're putting our hope back in you. In Jesus' name. Before I finish, with every head bowed, every eye still closed, I've met many who have been to the top. They've built their own empires, whether it was their job, whether it was their family, their income level, their titles. They built their social networks. They built it. I've talked to them. They've said it's just as empty at the top as you have described it. You are going to find that it cannot bear the weight of your expectations. But there is one who can. It is the God who said, cast all your cares, weights, and concerns upon me. And live. And live. It was Jesus who said, if any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. In other words, lay down your own empire. Take up your cross each day and follow me. For if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. If you're in this place and you realize it's time for me to lower myself down, Pastor Drew. I need to trust God with my life. I've been trusting me. It's exhausting. It's tiring. Sometimes I get it right. Oftentimes I get it wrong. I need a new Lord in my life. It's Jesus Christ. I'm ready to lay myself down. Come on, I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you, and I'm not going to call you out. But today, I want you to receive the freedom that comes from serving God and God alone. For He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man comes to the Father except through Him. And that that is a weight that I want you to have off of you today because you'll know I am his and he is mine. If you are in here and you say, I'm making a change, I make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, will you slip your hand into the air high enough that heaven sees it right now, the decision that I am, I am changing from this point forward. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So many hands. This is the best decision you could make. If you're online and you say, that's me too, write in the chat, include me, just text it just say, I need it too. Include me. And come on, church body, together, we say together, with one voice, we pray a prayer that I'm encouraging everyone who raised their hand to mean with everything that they've got. Let's pray out loud, church, and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I am a sinner. I have done some dumb things. 
I know that I have hurt you and I've hurt others. This isn't who you called me to be. I'm sorry. I repent. I turn away from those things. I want to embrace a new lifestyle where you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You can say no. You can change my plans. And I will obey. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross in my place so that all my guilt and shame could be washed away under the blood that you spilled because you love me. I'm a new person, and I want to live this out for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And the body of Christ celebrated with all the angels as we say amen and amen. Let it be done.